Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to a short turnaround of the of the coaching staff. I almost said the film room because we don't have a film room this week. Uh, we are going to drop two coaching staff. So by the time you hear this on Friday, yesterday you would have heard the podcast that Tony and I recorded on Tuesday. So we recorded yesterday. Today's Wednesday. We're recording today. We're going to drop Tuesday's podcast on Thursday. We're going to drop Wednesday's podcast on Friday. So, uh, Mr. Cliff Ellis, are you ready, sir? I am. Thank you for oh. the shout out for Cliff Ellis. It's it's warm here in Cedar Rapids. We're upper 80s today. How's it? How's the weather in Omaha? It's it's a glorious 84 degrees. After this, I'm gonna uh, go outside, Tony. And yeah, gonna do, gonna get ready, gotta get ready for vacation, buddy. I gotta get ready for those tropical beaches. So yeah, I'm gonna soak in some rays and do some reading and have a little me time for the first time all day. So um, yeah, that's what I got going on. So yeah, so hopefully the paparazzi will leave me alone in my backyard. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so Tony and I were talking, and if you listen to yesterday's podcast. We kind of made reference to the NBA championship and stuff that we observed while the series was going on, and we thought it would be good to do a a pod on what we can learn from this NBA Finals. And Tony and I had some ideas. We bounced it around, and you know, we kind of said, "Hey, let's just let's just go ahead and do this here." So uh, before we do get to that, Tony, though, we cannot forget episode number forty three. I've got three uniform numbers for you, buddy. Uh, one football, one baseball, one basketball. Wow, I'm drawing a blank on all three. The only thing I can think of is Richard Petty. No, <laughs> I should have had NASCAR. That's my bad. My bad. Uh, what was right. it? Pennzoil or something like that? Something Did, like that. Your STP. 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 Yeah, that's what it was. So, um, I'm going to tell you this, Tony. The one thing that links all three of these athletes together, their hair. Very memorable hair by all three of these great athletes. Two of them in the Hall of Fame, um, the basketball player, I'm sorry, the baseball player and the football player. Uh, basketball player not in the Hall of Fame. I am pretty confident of that. But he was a very good player. 43. Wow. 43. Uh, how about this? Football player. Defensive back. I am because I am drawing a blank on that one. You're a college football guy. I'll give you another hint. Uh, okay. Played at USC. Defensive back. Played at USC. Troy Polamalu. There you have it. That is one glorious head of hair. Uh, baseball player, Hall of Famer, coined the phrase. Walk off. I have no clue on that one. Um, was both a starter, solid starter, Hall of Fame reliever, great closer of the 80s and 90s. Dennis Eckersley. There you have it. Another great head of hair. And perhaps our best head of hair, our basketball player, has a post move named after him. Jack Sigma. There you have it. 
There you have it. The hair club for men. <laughs> Which I would not be a member of. <laughs> Maybe the lack of hair club for men. I still think you look good, buddy. I still think Thank you, look you good. sir. Thank you. <laughs> the lack of hair club for men. <laughs> uh, four minutes and 15 seconds, we lost them. So, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it. That was that was a good one, Tony. That was a good one. So, um, uh, lessons learned from the NBA Finals, and I've got about six or seven uh, bullet points that that I had. I don't know how many you have. You want me to start? You want to start, buddy? Uh, I can start if you okay. want. Okay, go ahead. The thing that really kind of stood out, and I know a lot of people, you know didn't really put a lot of whatever on this finals wasn't a sexy matchup didn't have the quote-unquote star power type thing and the one thing i would give you that i thought this had was two gritty teams who played together and i know that larry brown kind of threw this phrase around a lot but they played the game the right way Mm -hmm. and that's probably the biggest things like they were connected on the defensive end they shared the ball don't get me wrong i mean they had their pecking order the the nuggets obviously Jokic and jamal murray were gonna you know take the vast majority of the shots jimmy butler and i really was impressed with bam i thought yeah bam played really really well this series um much better than he had in, in the previous games um but those, that's probably one of the biggest things that came out to me was just the grit because these guys were connected, they bought into the role, they played incredibly hard, and just two really well-coached teams. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that you are absolutely correct on that, Tony. I, I think that what these two teams did above everything else uh, is – is they they had their own journey, I, I think, and and everybody has their own journey, and and the journey, Tony, as you know just as well as I do, the journey is 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 almost never linear. I mean, it's 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 never okay. We're gonna do this this year. This you know, you know, I've kind of gone through that here, you know, with with our program and trying to get it back to where we wanted it to go. Uh, I thought our first year went really well, all things considered, especially with COVID. Second year was better. I, I thought we would take a, a, a bigger leap than we did last year. Now, I, we weren't ready to compete for a state championship or anything like that, but I thought that we would make, make a bigger leap. But what I'm hoping is that through those failures, uh, perceived failures, real or perceived, that we'll be able to have success down the line, that we collected some scars last year in a lot of different ways. And I think both of these teams, uh, a lot of these players, whether that's Jamal Murray getting hurt, uh, whether that's Mike Malone uh, being in the league for a long, long time, and you know, so forth and so on. Uh, you know, every team is on their journey. The Heat were on their journey. They struggled to win close games during the regular season. Then it felt like they couldn't lose a close game in the postseason. And I think you just have to have faith in your team that they're going. You know, if, if things are meant to be. Um, you just got to keep grinding away and the grit and, and that type of stuff that you're referring to, Tony. I think that's so, so accurate with both of these teams and that every season, even our high school season, which compared to the professional season is very, 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 very short. But it's a long season. It's the longest season on the high school athletic calendar. And you've just got to keep grinding and keep trying to find a way. 
and you'll never forgive yourself if you don't keep trying to find a way. And I think that's one of the things that these teams did. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned a couple different things. I wanted to build a little bit off of one. You talked about you know the the grit to stick with it. I remember Doug Collins uh, back when he was coaching the Bulls and then went into announcing. He talked about a lot of the teams have to have their hearts broken mm-hmm. in order to take that next step. And if you go back and take a look at the Nuggets, uh, somewhat recently they got beat first round and they got beat second round. Yep. You know, and then you have the Jamal Murray injury. And going back to kind of that point that you're talking about there, a lot of GMs, a lot of whatever, and this knee-jerk reaction, let's blow this thing up and do something different. You know, hey, Jamal's out. Let's trade him. Let's do. Let's bring in somebody else or whatever the case may be. And they didn't do that. They mm-hmm. stuck to the script. And so I, I would give Mike Malone, I would give their GM all kinds of credit for that. And, you know, if I'm the Boston Celtics, I sit back and I look at what the Nuggets did in terms of staying with the stuff, so to speak, and I might stay the course because I I like the Celtics roster as well. And if you blow the thing up or, hey, let's trade Jalen Brown or let's do whatever – I don't know. I, I just I feel like if the Celtics will stick with the script and maybe get kind of like we talked about some different uh, guys around um, mm-hmm. their head coach there, they're going to be in good shape. And I know they brought in Charles Lee from Milwaukee. I love that hire. They brought in Sam Cassell from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I love that hire for Joe Missoula. Those will those will be two veteran voices. I think that'll really help the Celtics. And if they can keep this thing together, I like their chances next year. I think the. The term that comes to mind when you say that, Tony, and this was another thing on my list, continuity. Like And like you said, the knee-jerk reaction. Um, well, we have to panic. We lost in the first round this year, so we've got to it's, – it's the coach's fault. You know, it's like I tell you, you're, you're never as good as you think you are when things are going well, and you're never as bad as you think you are when things aren't going so well. And, and what both of these franchises did is they kept – their continuity in place. They kept it in place with their head coaches. They kept it in place with their players. They let it organically grow. Now, there's some ancillary things that they did on the fringes. Uh, the Nuggets signing KCP and Bruce Brown, two huge signings, you know. Um, the uh, uh, Heat, I almost said Raptors. They signed Terrell, or Terrell Lowry. What am I saying? God, Kyle Lowry. Uh, Terrell Lowry played point guard for Loyola Marymount back in the Westhead days. What am I talking about? Uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, that was a big free agent signee, but they, they, they've rolled with Jimmy for four years. They drafted Bam. They drafted Tyler Hero. Uh, they, they brought in these guys off the scrap heap undrafted free agents but they've let this grow organically and they've kept that continuity in place and i think that is so very very vital you you have to and i was actually talking about this with our boys coach this morning sometimes programs just especially at the high school level they take time to grow uh very rarely are you going to walk into a situation where you're going to go from oh and and 20 to 20 and two in two years that that's just rare you you usually have to build these things up and you've got to have continuity you've got to believe in what you're doing and stick with it uh until you just feel like you've exercised no other option that you got to make some sort of change and i think continuity is so very very important tony um that that and this is you know again both of these franchises have done that 
I 100% would agree with that. You know, if you take a look at the heat, one of the things that that's kind of, you know, a phrase that's out there is the heat culture. Yep. And if you go through and take a look at the heat culture, it's a real thing. I mean, yeah. you don't have, I believe they had four guys that were undrafted that contributed so many, many ways for them, mm-hmm. whether it's Max Struess, whether that, you know, situation as well, you could go through and talk about Gabe Vincent and so on and so forth. Uh, but they had four guys that just were, were given an opportunity. And so the heat culture is a real thing. And Eric Spolstra if not the best coach in the NBA, definitely in the top three to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just did a great job there. You know, the one thing that you take a look with the Nuggets that will be interesting is, you know, they've, they've got some guys kind of locked in there. You know, Jokic is going to be there for a while. Jamal mm-hmm. Murray, they're still both fairly young. But you mentioned Bruce Brown earlier. And the thing that I'll be interested to see with Bruce Brown is does the disease of more get involved with Bruce Brown? Because I believe you, you mentioned this yesterday, the whole mid-level exception thing. He could probably double his money, Marty. He'd go yeah. from $6.8 million to $13-plus million, but he's going to have to leave the Nuggets to do that. But if he stays with the Nuggets, you can get a, a raise, at least a million, if not a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but the thing that will be interesting to see there, is he going to – buy into this disease of more and look for 13 plus million it's easy for me to say that yeah he's going to set himself up financially for the rest of his life or do you stay with denver and try to win multiple championships yeah coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet as many of you know i spent two years outside of coaching and during that time i hung a note card in my workspace at school that said strip the house down to the studs I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of things there, um, the, the heat culture and, and that type of thing. I want to get to that in, in, in just a second. Uh, the, the we above me, and you're talking about Bruce Brown there, um, you know, he... For all of these, for both of these teams, there, you know, there there had to be some hurt egos, um, and I think a big part of it, Tony, it, we we above me or role acceptance as well. You know, I don't know how you guys handle it at Kennedy, but for us, we when we talk about roles, know, accept, embrace, and excel at your role, and it's up to the coach's job to know their role. You know, we've got to tell them, hey, we need this from you, uh, but then the players have to accept embrace and then excel at their role and sometimes excelling at your role is taking a diminished role you know you take a look at kevin love who went like three or four games without starting uh towards the end of the boston series and 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 i don't think even played hardly at all those last two three four games of the boston series and then early i don't think he hardly played in game one and then they started him in game two and he just went with it um now again he's Obviously, a man in his early 30s, he's more emotionally mature. But you can't tell me that didn't hurt, you know. And then Caleb Martin had to take a backseat to Kevin Love after everybody, you know, two weeks ago, everybody was talking about how awesome uh, Caleb Martin was. And then 
Kevin Love took a bunch of his minutes, or Kyle Lowry coming off the bench, or you were talking about Bruce Brown taking less money to play in a better situation. And so that role acceptance that you're talking about there, Tony, I, I think that's so very appropriate. If if you are on a a good team, there's at that point as a coach, you've been there, Tony, I know you have. Those are hard teams to coach sometimes because there are players who have a lesser role who can make an argument that they could do more, but you don't need them to do more because you have other players. And sometimes that's really, really hard to coach, isn't it, Tony? It is really hard because you kind of go into it where you know they think that they're going to get this because they got it last year. Mm -hmm. And things evolve and things change yep and the one thing that kind of goes along with what you're talking about there you know excelling and embracing but in the nba i know you mentioned kevin love in his 30s you know a mature mature player but he could have thrown a fit and then caleb barton one vote away from being named the eastern conference finals mvp and he embraced coming off the bench and losing some minutes to, to kevin love mm -hmm. and what my point being is that those those players allowed themselves to be coached, trusted their coach, and on top of that, the coach has the support of the GM. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's you know Pat Riley or, or whoever it may be, but the coach is allowed to coach, and I think those are all very critical elements in order to be successful. Yeah, that's that continuity thing again. You know, with with uh, trust, Tony. Uh, did you use that word in there, trust? I can't remember if I... I did not throw trust in there, but that that's big. I mean, the players have to trust the coach in that situation to put them in the best position to be successful. Mm -hmm. I think it, like, in in the NBA level, it, it goes, that trust has to go three ways. Owners, players, and, and coaches. For us as, as high school coaches, uh, it's got to be administration, players, coaches. Uh, and there's got to be trust in every single one of those directions. The administration's got to trust the players. Players have got to trust the administration. Coaches have to trust the admin, and admin has to trust the coaches, you know, all the way around. I also think there's another layer on that when you're a high school coach, and that's parents. You know, yes. You know, and, and one of the things that we really emphasize with our kind of win forever standard that, that I got from uh, Pete Carroll and kind of designed it for – our program, kind of this one-page mission statement. And, and one of the things is parents, administration, players, and coaches have to have trust in every, going in each direction. And the, the parents have to trust the administration that the coaches are going to put the players in the best situation that they possibly can. And, you know, I think what we saw with both of these teams, you know, Tony, I'm, I'm sure you've coached a team that – probably could have been pretty good but the players didn't trust each other the players didn't uh you don't necessarily have to love each other but if you love each other that makes it so much easier to coach and you're going to be successful but it's got to be genuine but you've probably had a, a team or two along the way because we're experienced and seasoned that has been talented but because they didn't trust each other you fell short i know i've been there have you ever been there tony definitely have been there um you know and it's one of those things too that it just makes the year miserable yeah. you know i've been a part of teams that have been 500 maybe a little under a little over somewhere in that area and we've got the absolute most out of that group that we could and we just had a fantastic time and enjoyed each other and i've been a part of teams that have won a lot of games 80 90 percent of the games uh been to the state tournament and the year was miserable yeah you know and so they're they're 
there's that part of it as well, that side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that, that trust has to go all the way around. And you could see with both of these teams, both of these franchises, that there was a tremendous amount of trust. The players, at least outwardly, trusted the coaches. Uh, the coaches trusted the players. Uh, I don't know how much Michael Malone trusted Michael Porter at certain times during uh, during the you know, run. That same thing, though, yeah. Marty. Yeah. He, he did pull him a few times and went Bruce Brown, and you never saw Michael Porter Jr. really pout. You mm-hmm. know, and again, maybe that maybe it was different behind the scenes. But then in Game Five, when they won the thing and 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 you know won the title, Michael Porter Jr. had a great game, and and one of those things where. Mike Malone kept saying, we're going to need Mike, you know, Michael Porter Jr. to be Michael Porter Jr. if we're going to win this thing. And mm-hmm. so I thought it was was neat how Mike Malone would pull him when he was bad, didn't, you know, you know, pander to him and put him out there even though he wasn't producing. And he went with somebody like Bruce Brown. And then when they needed it, Michael Porter Jr. stepped up, had, I think it was 17 points, 13, 14 rebounds, something like that in game five. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really good to see Mike Malone you know, do those things because, you know, as coaches, sometimes, you know, we can kind of get into, Hey, this is guy was our third leading scorer all year. He doesn't have it today. you got to pull one and go with the other guy. Yeah. Isn't that the art of coaching? You know, that, that Michael Malone, the way he handled Michael Porter Jr. Throughout the, especially the finals, isn't that the, that, that's the essence of the art of, not the science of coaching, the art of coaching. Don't you think Tony? 100%. 100% because, he kept telling him he believed in him, and but it just wasn't empty lip service. He really did, and when the when they needed it, because you know they couldn't throw it in the ocean, you know, in mm-hmm. game five from behind the arc, and they were very spotty from the free throw line. And Michael Porter Jr. had that steal uh, went between his leg, had a great finish that tied the game. I think at sixty four, yep. if I remember correctly, and that kind of started that last run that took the Nuggets home. Yeah. Um... I've got two or three more things. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, the one other thing, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, uh, but be a star in your role. Uh And I thought both teams accepted that, where the players were a star in their role. And again, you kind of talked about this even before we got to the finals, that the Nuggets do what the Nuggets do. They have eight guys that they're going to play. You know, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, and Christian Braun a little bit, depending on how he played. But he played really well in the finals yep. after kind of scuffing along a little bit in the in the Western Conference finals and, and, and the round before that as well. But they kind of do what they do. And the next thing you know, Bruce Brown and, and Christian Braun just had great games in the finals uh, for them. And I was really happy for Jeff Green. And, you know, when you take a look at Jeff Green, you also can throw DeAndre Jordan and Ish Smith in there. Those were three veterans, and I think, if I remember correctly, um, I think, uh, you might want to correct me on this, but I think DeAndre Jordan had played on the least amount of teams out of all those guys. I think he had been on eight teams or seven teams, something like that. Ish Smith had been on 13 different teams in 13 years, but you have that veteran presence as well. And was you know that I thought that was was really a, a neat thing to see there. And then if you go to the Heat, they had that veteran presence of Udonis Haslam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the definition of veteran there. Yes. Uh, you know, so um, I, I I do want to to talk that that role acceptance and 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 knowing what you are supposed to do. I I think that one of the another one of the great lessons that came out of this 
and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of take what you said, Tony, and spin it a little bit differently with your permission there, Joey Meyer. Yeah. yeah so, uh, sorry, inside off air inside joke. So, um, you, I, I think that if you are going to build a great team, if you're going to build a great program, you have to hang your hat on something. You've, you've got to be great at something. You take a look at uh, Oklahoma football in the 1980s. What was it? It was the wishbone. wishbone. When you, you know, when you took a look at, uh, when, when you think of uh, Patino's great Kentucky teams, it was press, pressing. Yeah, you know, and that's what comes to mind. When you think of the Lakers in the 80s, showtime. You know, that that's type of thing. Great. Yep. So uh, I think you have to hang your hat on something. You have to be great at something. Uh, for these two teams, uh, for Miami, and you talked about it, Tony, the heat culture, but also... Uh, and this talk, you know, this goes to Spolstra and kind of matching up your talents with what you're good at. Let's see how this goes because we know basketball is a copycat thing and it trickles down. The Heat, and this was referred to many, many times in the playoffs, they played the most zone of any team by far. I think everybody else combined played the amount of possessions of zone that the Heat played by themselves in the playoffs or something like that. And but that's what Spolstra felt like was going to be best for. They gave him the best opportunity to win. It matched their personnel to the to the best uh, of of their ability. And, and and between playing a great zone and kind of zigging while everybody else was zagging when it comes to that, and the Heat culture, that's what the Miami Heat were great at. That's what they hang their hat on year in and year out. Especially when again you go to that Heat culture. And like you said, Tony, it's a real thing. It is without a doubt a real thing. For the Nuggets, it was, we're going to be a decent defensive team, but we're going to be great offensively. And we've got this once-in-a-generation point center that we can do so many things with, and we're going to fit our, and again, in a high school situation, Tony, you know, just as well as I do, you can't you know pick your players like the Nuggets and the Heat do. But this is what we're going to be great at. And I think as if you have a chance to have a really good team or even a great team, I think you've got to pick one or two things that you're going to be great at. You have to pick two or three things that you're going to be really good at. And then you have to, everything else you've just got to be adequate because there's only so much time and only so much practice time that you have to really fill in the blanks all the way around. Um, so that was something that I saw with both of these teams. I don't know how, I don't know how you feel about that, Tony. I would agree. You know, you got to find that identity uh-huh. and you have to make it fit. Like I think everybody would love to be the highest scoring team, you know, out there. People like that style. But at the same time, if you're not great at shooting the ball, that's probably not going to happen. If you don't have great ball handlers, um, you know, and, and guys are, that can finish around the rim, probably not going to take place. So you got to find something that fits your 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 skill set, and you've got to develop your identity around it. And I think that's what those guys did. And I will give I will give Spolster credit. I thought that if they went zone against the Nuggets, they would get lit up because mm-hmm. if you go back and take a look at you know efficiency and stuff like that, the Nuggets had by far the best efficiency against zone during the regular season. But with Spolstra's zone and what they did out of it. It really did throw the nuggets for loops at a loop at times and was very, very effective. And the other thing that you brought up, too, um, was was Jokic and how he plays the game. You know, and that's one of the things as a coach that we have to be careful 
of not pigeonholing players in. Hey, Jokic, you're going to play with your back to the basket. Uh, we're going to throw it into you. If you do that, he's not nearly the player. And in, in, in talking about this once in a generation point center, he's the he's the best point center ever to play this game. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you look at the other side of things. Bam's not so bad in that role either. No, he's not. And you know, and it's really is kind of you know that positionless basketball thing. And that's something else that I think that was a very big lesson from the series as well is don't pigeonhole kids like, hey, they might be the tallest. Doesn't mean they should always play with their back to the basket. Hey, uh, they might be one of your, your, your shorter starters out there. Doesn't mean they should be the point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we just have to make sure, uh, you know, we understand and take take notes and learn lessons from the NBA game, which I believe, you know, in terms of the level of basketball, I mean, it, it's it's something you could sit back and study. It's it's I don't know. It's just something that I really enjoy the NBA game and learning basketball the way that they play it. I think Jokic is actually the second best point center in the last fifty years, behind Anderson Verajo. <laughs> Maybe Chuck, maybe Chuck Nevitt. I was yeah, I was gonna say Chuck Nevitt, really good. You know, Mark Madsen, <laughs> Bismack Biombo. Bismack is tough. <laughs> you know, and then you had, you know, Manute Bowl is, is kind of ahead of his day too with the way that he shot the three. Oh, you betcha, baby. Let it fly. Um, you know, I uh, uh, John Conkack, another one there. Ed Neely. Um, Google's a wonderful thing. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think kind of one of my last big points is, Tony, um, you, you were talking, and I love what you said about matching your talent with their strength. Like you said, you know, if you put just Jokic on the block the way Kareem or Elijah Wan were put down there back in the day, he's not going to be nearly as effective as what he was, what he, what he's doing now. Um, and I think that coaches need to be careful as because again we're going to copycat every there's going to be youtube clips look how great the denver nuggets offense runs and all this other stuff and look at this miami heat zone and what well, you you got to run what your kids are good at you know mm-hmm. and if if you're a center if you're a girls basketball team and your center is is five foot seven you're probably not going to run what the nuggets are, are going to you know what they're running but you know you so, so be careful to cut. You, you could take, you could pick and choose little things here and there from what both the Nuggets and the Heat did, uh, but you're you're not going to be able to cop, copy everything. Um, the other thing, and you brought this up as well, Tony, is you can you can say all these things. It, it does come down to talent. You, you have to have great talent, and I think that's a great lesson. I, I you talked earlier, Tony, uh, about how you had a couple of teams that finished at 500 and you felt like those kids maxed it out and they gave you everything that they had and it was a really enjoyable thing. Uh, if if you have 500 talent, you may be able to nudge that 500 talent up to 14 and 11 or 15 and 10 by being organized, by having a great culture. And that's what we, that's, those are the things that we can control as coaches. Uh, but you're not going to have probably you're probably not going to have 500 talent and win and go 20 and two in the regular season. That, that's just that's just really really hard to do, and and so you do have to have talented players. As high school coaches, in large part, that is beyond our control. But 
we can build all those other things that when you do have that talent, it, 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 it takes it and it runs with it because you've built a great culture. You've, you've had championship standards. And, and we kind of saw that with the Nuggets, especially where when Mike Malone took over, they didn't make the playoffs their first two years by a country mile. And then the third year, they kind of lost that pseudo play-in game against the Timberwolves, ironically enough, against Jimmy Butler, I believe. And, sure. and then uh, they, they, they made that climb. And and it's and it takes time to build that up, and I think that's something that we as as coaches have to have in mind if we want to achieve great things. More often than not, we have to have great talent to end up at Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska, or at the Well in Des Moines in March. Because yeah, you're you're going to need talented players. I think that's something that we have to remember. Yeah, it's a player's game. Mm-hmm. You know, the the coach organization motivation, minor tweaks, minor adjustments, but it's a player's game. I mean, if you've got somebody who thinks they're John Wooden and all that in a bag of chips on the sideline, um, you're going to get humbled. This game has a way of humbling people. And so just know it's a player's game. And sometimes as a coach, you know, one of the best things to do is just kind of stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you got anything else, Blake? No, I'm exhausted on my, my list here. Okay. I, I think uh, the the last thing that I want to say, and I think we kind of made reference to this, I, I love the journey of both of these teams. Uh, you know, Miami is, is and, and I get it, it's Miami. People want to go to Miami. Uh, players, when I'm talking about that, NBA players want to go to Miami. But Miami is not for everybody. You know, you talk about, we've, we've referenced heat culture numerous times. Uh, yeah, it seems great living in Miami, but playing for for Spo and Pat Riley is not easy at all. You have to have a certain type of mentality. And, you know, I love the journey of Spolstra coming from the film room, coming from a small school, was not an acclaim. You know, he worked his tail off to work his way up the ladder. And then he, you know, to me, and again, I don't know him personally, but he seems like he's as hungry as he ever was, even though he's he's been doing this job for a long time. And, and he could very well just sit back and rest on his laurels. You know, he just seems like he's competitive and as hungry as as he ever has been. You know, Mike Malone, the son of an NBA coach, but this is a guy that paid his dues, uh, was an assistant for a long time, went to Sacramento and got fired and then got a second chance in Denver. And he just kept grinding away, grinding away, grinding away. And, you know, if you're a coach out there that hasn't reached maybe some career goals that you had set for yourself 5, 10, 15 years ago, these guys are two prime examples of keep going, keep moving forward. If you have faith in what you're doing and you get in the right place at the right time with the right group, you can achieve a lot of things. So don't get discouraged in your basketball journey if it's not working out exactly the way you envisioned it at a certain point when you got into it or what you wanted to do because there is still a lot that can be achieved if you have that work ethic, that desire, that toughness in you. Yeah, you got to stick with your stuff. You know, believe in yourself. Um, the thing that you brought up about Miami not being for everybody, there's a reason that four undrafted guys play the big play as big a role as what they do in Miami. You know, there's not a lot of guys that want to make the sacrifice it takes to be able to play in Miami. But it mm-hmm. will be interesting because I think Miami is going to be a major player in looking to bring in another piece to pair up with 
Jimmy, and Bam. And I think that piece might be Dame Lillard, but we'll see. Yeah, that's the name. That's the name that uh, keeps popping up. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, what you do with your franchise. I, I don't think either franchise is going to rest on their laurels. Uh, I think Miami. I think Miami learned a lot about themselves. Uh, you know what they kind of remind me of a little bit, Tony. You remember when we were kids? And everybody remembers the 49ers being the dominant franchise of the 80s and into, you know, about 95, 96. And then they kind of fell off and kind of handed it off to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. But but through that, they went through two or three different evolutions of a team. Like they had one team from like 81 to 84 or 85. And then they kind of turned the corner with that roster. And there were some things that were still consistent through that. Like obviously like Joe Montana was, was part of that all the way through, Um, you know, but, but they turned that style over. They turned the roster over. They turned the talent over two or three different, probably three different times at least kind of three different cycles of championship teams, even though the franchise got credit for the, for the championships. Uh, they were very different teams in, in structure and makeup in style, uh, during that time period. And it'll be interesting to see what Miami does. Uh, I, I think they're kind of in that, you know, we were a little bit farther ahead than what we thought we were at this point like like this was this was a real bonus and now maybe we're just one piece away from making that happen and and it'll be interesting to see what direction they go um with denver we'll see what kind of pieces they pick up as well but uh i'm not ready to say dynasty yet i know they're young i know they're really good uh Jokic is awesome uh but there's there's a lot of good teams and we'll find out over the next couple of weeks what's going to happen here so you know with the heat one thing to remember is that Tyler Hero broke his hand first round and really yeah. didn't play after that. And then on top of that, they lost Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. And so those are some pieces that they didn't have. And then another thing that people have kind of floated out there a little bit too is, you know, Dylan Brooks obviously kind of got divorced with the with you know with with the Grizzlies. Is he a heat type guy? And yeah. that would be interesting to see if he could go and rehab his reputation in Miami. And so that that piece will be interesting to see if that comes together for them as well. Wouldn't that be like the ultimate Pat Riley move is to have a reclamation project in Dylan Brooks and he comes in to Miami and he's just awesome? Yeah. And you know, you kind of mentioned a little bit about teams they remind you of. And I don't know, you know, as far as things go, the parallels between like this Heat team this year and when Riley was with the Knicks, kind mm-hmm. of reminds me a little bit of that um, in a way. And so that that part is interesting as well. And then you mentioned how they've kind of retooled because at one time Miami had the the big three, you yeah. know, D Wade, LeBron, and Bosch, and now they've got a bunch of grinders, if you will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library.
you know who else, Tony, is a bunch of grinders? Europe, baby. You don't get to be that great without willing to take in the grind the way our guys from Europe do. So, Tony, I got the trivia question for you here. I think you got a great chance at this, buddy. I think you got a great chance. Here we go. Okay, KOD. I apologize. I apologize. Eric Spolstra, the aforementioned Eric Spolstra. 15 years as the head man of the Miami Heat. Only three coaches in NBA history have had a longer tenure with one franchise continuously. Name them. Let's go with Red Auerbach. That is one. Um, next up, let's go to Greg Popovich. That is two. How many am I looking for? Three. I just need one more. Yeah, like Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I might go with that. I'm a big meatloaf guy. Um, <laughs> the loaf, as his friends call him. <laughs> the loaf, as his friends call him. Yes, yes. Um, shoot. Those are the two I thought you would get pretty quickly. And once you, if if you don't get it, you're going to kick yourself in the tuchus on the third one here. But I think you're going to get it. I have faith in you. Glad somebody does. Um, Former NBA player, now deceased. Coached one of the best tandems in NBA history. <laughs> that's about all. That's the biggest hint I can give you. Played in the finals, but never won the finals. Only one of these coaches never to win an NBA championship as a as a coach. What era? Oh, that's gonna that might give it away. Nineties and aughts. I want to say now because they won it. The I'll, Knicks want it. I'll give you two guesses. Shoot. One of the NBA... Paul West... No. Paul Westfall. Incorrect. One of the NBA's smallest markets. Helped eliminate Houston, then. Jerry Sloan. Nailed it. Spolstra, 15 years. Red, 16 years. Jerry Sloan, 23 years. And Pop, 27 years. Wow. Yeah. I think Pop may stick around for another extra year or two now. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so. uh, there's rumor. You know, obviously they're going to take Victor number one. But there's rumor that that is where Chris Paul's going to land. I have heard that. 
I don't know how hip to that scene he's going to be because I think he just wants to win a championship. But I think the Suns are kind of saying, you're not worth the price tag and we need to figure something out because this is Durant and Booker's team. But it's a very slippery slope. It's the art of management. We talked about the art of coaching. Would he do what he did in Oklahoma City where he went to Oklahoma City, kind of rehabbed his image and then that led to somewhere else? Because, I mean, you could sign a year or two in San Antonio, and if it goes well, then you could be back on the move again. But I don't know if a contender is going to bring him in for the money that he wants. And the other thing that I've heard is the guy that they may replace him with in Phoenix is Fred Van Vliet, who just turned down the Toronto gig. Yeah. I don't know. He's just – he's 30 – he just turned 38. Yeah, he's not a spring chicken like you. (laughs) Um, I appreciate the sentiment, Tony. Uh, But uh, yeah, he's he's still got my number. So Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We'll 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 have to let it play out. Uh, By the time we get back together, we will have had the draft. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, Um, and we'll be right in the middle between the draft and free agency. And maybe, you know, that'll be our TWIB topic next week, this week in basketball. We'll kind of analyze the draft a little bit at, at this segment of the of the pod. How does that sound, buddy? I like it. That, that gets me pumped up. All right. Awesome. Anything else on our lessons learned uh, from the NBA Finals? The biggest thing, I think, to take away from the lesson learned is if you believe that your plan is the right plan, stick to it. Yep. You know, Spolstra, rumor has it, LeBron tried to get him run. Yep. Mike Malone, obviously it didn't go fantastic in Sacramento, but it hasn't gone fantastic in Sacramento for pretty much any coach not named Mike Brown. Yep. Um, but if you believe, stick to your stuff, make minor tweaks, mm-hmm. that, that would be the big the big thing I would give from, from today's pod. Yep. I agree with you. Don't get discouraged. Stick with it. Uh, keep developing those players. Control all the things that you can control around you. Control the standard. Control the culture. Um, don't let anybody into the program that you don't want in. Um, you know, and and do what you have been hired to do by your administration. And and that's what these guys have done. That's what these franchises have done. Uh, the Nuggets on the upswing. The Heat have been there for a while. Uh, you know, let's keep track of it and let's let's see where it goes from there. So. Uh, Hey, you know, Flip Saunders, I really appreciate your time today here. (laughs) Anything for you, George Carl. (laughs) Hey, say hi to Judd Heathcote for me. Uh, So, uh, no, this is uh, a... It's been a good one. I hope you folks have enjoyed the double dip of the coaching staff this week. Uh, I've had my, my... guest for our next film uh has just had some stuff going on uh we just haven't been able to to link up here but we're going to we're going to have a great film room coming up uh we're going to get a great we're going to have a great interview uh that'll be dropping early next week uh that's the plan anyway and and we've got a lot of good things going on with a pen and a napkin tony i hope your summer stuff continues to go well um we have our team camp. Uh, again, we're taping this on Wednesday. We've got a big team camp that we're hosting at our place tomorrow. So uh, hopefully we continue to take uh, steps forward. And, and uh, I hope the Cougars continue to take steps forward as well, buddy. 
yeah, best of luck tomorrow. I know you got three games scheduled there. Yeah. And uh, hopefully those those steps continue to happen for you as you get your team on the right path. Yeah, we're trying. Big season. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. So, folks, hope you enjoyed episode number 43 of the coaching staff. It was really good stuff. Great conversation, as always, with Tony. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.